Well, this is our last go there for class. Next week we have Churchill on Lawn, so there's no Sunday school hour. Uh, it's a family service out there behind the annex. Uh, and then the following week we start a a summer uh, nine week series on uh, Christian growth. It's a study on the ordinary means of grace, and we have a number of teachers lined up for that. Um, I think I only teach twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, then everyone else is, is filled. So it's, it'll be a, a, a great time to kind of hear from uh, various men in our church as we look into topics uh, like the Word of God, prayer, uh, baptism, ba- baptism, communion, church, uh, church discipline. And kind of what I'm excited about is as we dig into things like the Word of God, we're going to look at very various layers where that touches our lives. It's, we're going to look at preaching, it's kind of like the, that primary means of grace as we hear the word expounded from, from the pulpit, but also uh, our personal Bible studies. Uh, I hope it's going to be an encouragement for our folks to, to enjoy personal time in the word. And then family, family worship, family devotion, uh, something that even, even I have a hard time corralling the family to do, but something I, I definitely have a desire to be more faithful in doing is gathering the family around and enjoying the Word of God with them. Uh, we've been doing with the, this with our boys, with our family more often, and it's been fun to kind of sing hymns as a family and and kind of just look at a small section of, of Scripture and talk about it, enough that a, a uh, eight-year-old and four-year-old attention span can, can handle. And spending some time in prayer, so those various things, and kind of looking at those that same aspect with prayer, uh, I, I'm hoping that we'll uh, be able to walk away from that series just kind of encouraged to enjoy the the good things uh, that God has given us to grow and grow in His grace to um, be nourished on Christ and see His benefits. So that's going to start in a couple of weeks. Okay, so for the last class for Go Therefore, we're going to talk kind of more broadly about world missions. Uh, But before we do that, I just want to start off with uh, a review. So I'm going to ask some questions. We'll look at some scripture. Um, But what, let me start with this. What is, what's the state of man after Adam and Eve's fall? What's the state of man after Adam and Eve's fall? condition depraved depraved sin and misery sin and misery unable to please God unable to please God dead what's that? dead dead Dead. dead, dead is really that really kind of all-encompassing word for all of these things. In fact, since since Larry says dead, uh, someone someone turn to Ephesians two and read verses one through three, and then just stay there because we're going to read the rest of it in a second. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay. So we're dead, dead in our trespasses and sins. So sometimes, I don't know if we excuse the word dead, but when Paul says we're dead, we are dead. We think of our inability to reconcile ourselves to God, our inability to please God, that idea of deadness is is remarkable. We are dead. Uh, Lazarus could not have come forth from the grave without Christ, his power calling him forth from the grave. We are dead, absolutely unable 
to choose God. Um, the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism uh, 20 says, Did God leave all mankind to perish in the estate of sin and misery? It says this, God, having out of his mere good pleasure from all eternity elected some to everlasting life, did enter into a covenant of grace to deliver them out of the estate of sin and misery and to bring them into an estate of salvation by a redeemer. So Dixie, could you read now Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 10? Mm -hmm. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay. So let's talk, let's talk for a minute about the being dead in our sins and trespasses and being alive, uh, made alive in Christ. When we are on the alive side, what should be our view of those who are still under the wrath of God? I was there. Come. Be alive with me. Come on. I, I found a way. Let me show you. He said, I was, I was with you. I was you. Come. Come out of that. You can be made alive again. So the whole idea of that's me, right? Like, but for the grace of God, go I. That's it, it doesn't all of a sudden become an us versus them sort of thing. It's like, no. That's the I did this is Paul in First Corinthians as he lists through these these sins and he says, Such were some of you. Some is because just the list of sins he's going right. in. And then he goes, but you are washed. You are sanctified. So he's like calling us out of that life. But really, we need we should have a compassion, right. understanding that we were dead and have been made alive in Christ. None of it is from me. There's no part of it that I can boast in, but Christ alone. That that can't you know make us put us in a, a position to kind of raise our nose at someone else. It should give us a, a deep compassion and love and concern uh, for the lost. So as we consider these things, we, we consider man's inability, and we consider God's election uh, in Christ. Why shouldn't we take a, a hyper-Calvinistic approach and kind of sit back with our, with our uh, popcorn and just kind of watch the show why 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 can't we view things that way it's disobedient it's disobedient why is it disobedient we're not commanded to do that what are we commanded to do to tell people the truth yeah. that's what this class is about right go therefore it also in that in that disobedience it is Trying to write the fun art word. I don't know if offensive is the right word or like we are one, we're robbing ourselves the joy. We know that the, the people were generated by the Holy Spirit, it's not by us, by the Holy Spirit. But we can we can be the means that God uses, that the Holy Spirit uses to regenerate people. Right? So again, it's not us, but we are commanded to do that. We're commanded to participate in it, and we are the means by which God uses to do that. Maybe not in every case, but in some cases. So not participating in that, one, robs us the joy of doing that, because it's a joyful thing, because we've seen what Christ has done for us. Why would we not want to show that to others? But then also, as Callie said, it's disobedient in that we've been asked to participate in that. We've been commanded to go make disciples. So there's that tension of, like, we know it's the spirit that regenerates, but we've been also been told to, like, go and share the gospel and to disciple the nations. Mm -hmm. um, so there's this... Like, we have this sort of responsibility to do this, so it's disobedient not to, but it's also, why wouldn't you want to? Because it's a joy to, right? It's an absolute joy to, yeah. and we should want to. So. 
rhyme to give. Well, it might be a little harsh, but it could be callous or at least indifferent. And if you're going to do that, it's like I'm not sure that you really are loving your neighbor. So, isn't isn't the fulfillment of the Great Commission really the fulfillment of the law that we now as believers get to delight in, to love God and love neighbor? Like if there's going, if, I mean, we, we see that fulfilled in so many ways. We see it fulfilled in the church, but as we saw last week, the church is God's instrument for the proclamation of the gospel. We are the great commission instrument. So it's like we get to, in obeying God, we're doing that out of a, out of a heart of love for God. He has first loved us, draw, draws us to obey him, and that obedience is seen in how we go and love one another and have compassion. So it's, I get to share the gospel with you. I get to share the gospel with the lost. I get to, whatever sphere of influence I find myself in, I get to enjoy loving my neighbor because God has first loved me. And these are the, the works that he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Yeah. So that, that really tells us because we, we, we so often think that God is, we think of, of God's sovereignty, his election in terms of the ends. He's got all the ends. And we forget about the means. It's like, oh, but he's not in control of this stuff. But somehow it all works out here. It's like, no, he, he controls both. The means and the ends. And as Danny said, what we should find joy then in walking and, and being his means and being being the instruments that he is using to to redeem his elect uh, someone read Romans 10 13 through 15 and you know a lot of these verses of course we've already read multiple times throughout the series but it's just a good kind of reminder as we go through it Romans 10 13 through 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Very good. So, If we believe that that man is dead in their sins and trespasses, that they are completely unable to bring themselves to life, and if we believe that God has elected some to everlasting life, then we get to go forward in obedience to the Great Commission knowing that there's going to be success. Maybe not in every single person, but we can have confidence that, that there will be, that God's elect are out there and we get to be his means to go and preach the good news to them. And even if, even those who reject, first off, we never know if, I'm sure there's, I wonder about my, uh, my uncle who my dad, my dad preached Christ to him many, many times throughout his life. It was near the end, uh, the last two or three years of their lives that uh, they formed kind of a closeness. He was, my uncle was out in California, my dad was out here, but they talked pretty regularly. I wouldn't be surprised if my homosexual uncle came to faith. I, I don't know that it ever happened, but I would not be surprised. Just, he had heard the word of God. He was softening toward my dad, who was a bit of an outcast in some regards, being the kind of first generation believer in his family and a pastor at that. I hope that when, when I enter glory, I see my uncle, who may be a, a, a deathbed confession. Who knows? But we shouldn't be surprised. But even if, 
even if someone we preach the gospel to someone and they reject that gospel till the day of their death and die and are in everlasting eternal punishment in hell we have still proclaimed the glory of God and it's not it's not within our power to save them it's the Holy Spirit's power but we get to be uh, the mouthpiece to, to proclaim the good news of Christ and um, really it's it's one of those things if we believe in man's inability then and we do then believing in God's election is really that driving force it's the complete opposite of the hyper Calvinistic approach of sitting back and just enjoying the ride it's like oh no there's there's God God has commanded me to do something so I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that he's going he's going to work that out so there's uh, an atheist um, kind of comedian magician, uh, Penn Teller, Penn and Je- oh, Penn yeah. Gillette, and I don't remember the other Teller's last name, but anyway, yeah. um, he's he's an avowed atheist and pretty vocal about it. But he specifically said that he he respects Christians who try to evangelize him, mm. and he really disrespects people who say they're Christians who don't evangelize mm. him. And the reason is, if you really, really believe that I'm going to go to hell and you don't tell me, you are literally saying, I hate you, go to hell. Hmm. He understands that better than than we do sometimes, right? The only only thing I would critique is I would say that they don't care enough about him to hate him. They're indifferent. Yeah. Which is almost worse. Worse, yeah. (laughs) It's like, you know, <clears throat> what is that verse that talks about neither hot nor cold? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to that verse today. Revelation. Uh, yeah, in Revelation. Mm-hmm. So who who is or what does it what does go there for mean? These are simple questions, simple answers probably. Because of what I said previously, go. Yeah. Here's Christ, who has his disciples witnessed being brutally murdered, and now he's alive, and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. Like, that should give us confidence. The resurrected Savior, who then they saw ascend on high, yeah, I can, I can take that to the bank. So go therefore. Who who are called to go? Again, this these are this is all review. Who's called to go? What's that? All of us. It's not it's not an endeavor endeavor just for a few, you know. Well, it's it's the that's for the missionaries or pastors or whatever it might be. We are all we are all called to go. Now, this has been a sticky thing for some people. I grew up listening, I don't know if, I grew up listening to Keith Green. Keith Green, as much as I love some of his songs, he was way off in some areas. And uh, I've, I've never read it, but there's a book on his life and uh, uh, his wife writes a, a something about him just walking down the street and like there's a chicken, a rotisserie chicken shop where the chicken are on a spit in like the window so you can see them cooking and all. And um, he just walks up to a guy who's standing in front of that window and he says, you see those chickens in there? You're gonna burn in hell just like them if you don't repent and turn to Christ. <laughs> now, <laughs> it is not beyond God to use harsh words like that to bring someone to himself. I would not. <laughs> I would not take that tack. Uh, as we've taught in this class, um, I don't. I don't believe that is what we are called to do. But he. All, but Keith Green also had this idea where he said, if if you are not literally going to another country, if you're not going across an ocean, then you're not obeying. And what's really sad about that to me is 
if that if that is what we slip into, then we are going to lose every opportunity that we have here in our normal spheres. We're going to lose those opportunities daily that we have with our children. We're going to lose those opportunities daily that we have with our spouse, that we have with our coworkers, that we have with whomever we run into, because we're constantly going to be thinking that oh, I should be over. I should be in Brazil. I should be in the Amazonian jungles. No. That's, there might be some people who are called to that. As we saw last week, Paul, Paul's, Paul was definitely a world missionary as he's going throughout uh, the known world of the time and, and sharing the gospel. But that is not what everyone's call is. And we even see that in Acts as a church is established in Jerusalem. And some of those apostles make camp in Jerusalem. It seems like James is kind of there. You know, it's, we, we lose. There, there's so much joy, I think, in understanding that we are part of God's Great Commission plan, even with our children. Even, you know, in whatever those, those fears are that, we are that we are operating in. And, you know, God is sovereign even in where we live. You know, mm-hmm. he has placed us in the places that we live for yeah. his purposes. Well, I've heard stories of people who like, did what you're talking about and then hear stories about their children that if they weren't put into boarding school, you weren't really serving properly and yeah. the sacrifice. And I'm just, what, were, what was the children's perspective on all this? Right. <laughs> yeah. What would they say? Like, so, you know, God is like a father and this is what my father did and this is how he showed his love towards mm-hmm. me. I think I mentioned this in another Sunday school class. It was, I, I, I have a hard time with that personally, where I, if someone would take that approach of, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up my, my wife and kids for this, this missionary endeavor. It's like, okay, but God, you have a wife and kids. This is something, notice Paul was a single guy. We have a wife and kids, which means God has given us our wife and kids, and they are a, our first kind of respo- our first responsibility. Uh, I, I yeah, I'm not going to step on the toes of, of everyone down in history who's done that, but well, it's not. That. It's we should we need to be a bit more thoughtful about it's, it. It's not even that far from home, honestly, because I've had I won't name names where people have actually questioned how I was going to make my decision. The fact that I included what I thought was good for my children. Mm-hmm. Before I made a decision, it was almost question like, well, who's in charge of your household? Yeah. <laughs> so we had a quick talk about what that meant to me. Yeah. Um, but at the instant, I mean, it happens here too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just Nashville and locally, depending on people, how people view that. Right, because you don't even have to. Mm-hmm. You could you could sleep at home every night, and I think still fall into this trap, where. Like, uh, I mean, hey, I'm a pastor, so I, I'm going to pour 100% of my time into my ministry. But if I'm neglecting my home ministry, uh, that's something I appreciate about my, my seminary is one of the things they say at the very beginning is, this is a seminary. We are not the church. We expect you to be involved in your church during during seminary, and we expect for you to be involved in your family during seminary. Do not allow seminary to all of a sudden trump the church of God and our family. Um, oh, did I hear? I was just gonna say. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the whole go therefore. Like, I almost see. Like to me, it's like contextual. Like he was talking to them sitting there in front of him. Yeah. So it's like, go. I mean, that could be like, go to that tree over there right. and talk to that person. Yeah. For us, that could be go to the hallway. Uh-huh. Like, go doesn't mean travel. Yes. It just means get up, go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, and then there's also you know, where he said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And to the ends of the earth. And all the way out yeah. to the ends of the earth. Where yeah. We just happen to be at that furthest reach. We're at yeah. the ends of the earth. So if we took that false approach that I'll call the Keith Green approach and see, espouse it in my life, 
then Jerusalem would have been unpreached to. Because mm-hmm. they would have said, oh, well, that means that we can't go to our hometowns. We need to go somewhere else. And obviously, that's not what happened. That's not how they understood it. Um, talking more about this last week, what does it mean then in uh, the Great Commission, make disciples? What do you do after you go and preach? People get people are saved. But then you leave them and go on and go to the next. I think I guess the next logical step is make disciples. You go in preaching. You're just like helping to disciple, teach, raise them to kind of give them that firm foundation. Well, and then that's exactly what he said. Teaching them to obey all that I have told you. Yeah. Right? So um, that's not a one-time thing because yeah. he said a lot of things. He did so many things that if all of them were written down, not a, not even the the all of the books in all of the world could contain them. Yeah. What he said. So um, teaching them to obey is like Paul spending three years at one location, teaching them to obey, raising up elders, mm-hmm. teachers. You know, this is this is not a okay. I'm going to preach the gospel to you, and then I'm going to say goodbye. Now, there's there's occasions for that, you know, and and hopefully you they hear the gospel, they believe, and you know, then they can go find a church. But really, the idea is you're gonna you're gonna tell them about Christ. They're going to believe, and then you're going to lead them in how to obey. Mm-hmm. And the obedience is just reading the word, believing it, trusting it, doing what it says. How can you uh, how can you make a disciple, which is teaching them to obey, if you're not spending that time with them? Yeah. Underneath it, there's a I guess the people who are wanting to go. It, there's almost like a just there could be we're feeling more about them. Potentially their ego. Um, I'm doing this. I'm rather than just being ordinary people and trying to have an influence where you actually live, which I'd say is one of the ways not harder to do than to go to some extreme place. People you don't really have accountability to in the same way. People have known you and will see you every day. And trying to create some some of that the discipleship and respite where you are in a very small area because if everybody did that, it would spread. Yeah. So you don't have to really worry about the spreading if you focus on what you have influence on which might feel very small it ripples out so you really don't know the impact of the little things that you do yeah that's you know as as a pastor growing up a pastor's kid i always hated when people uh you know got new jobs and and moved to another state left our church and stuff like that but then i'd slow down and think this is part of natural spread right is people People move away. People, I mean, it's, we see the spread happen because of persecution in, in uh, Jerusalem. People start scattering abroad, and that's how they're spread. But there's a natural spread of just progression in people's lives. Is we have, we get the opportunity in our spheres of influence here at home or wherever we might be to preach the gospel, to disciple. And then when that person leaves, it, it, there's a sense where we can rejoice. Like, okay, that's, they are now, I, I, I trust they are now moving to wherever and they're going to do, they're going to begin to share their faith and to disciple. Um, so yeah, there's that, that natural spread that we get to, uh, get to witness. Our, our mission, Michelle said, our mission doesn't end with a decision. It's not just you trying to get conversions. And I think as like Ron mentioned, maybe notches on your belt. No, that's as Paul, Paul gave much of his time uh, to raise, to raise the the church up in these various locations, which which brings us to the kind of the last review point was what's the importance of the church in all of this we saw last week church as an organization or like the church as an individual members of the body uh more more of like the organization of the church 
which I would in, in some ways include the individual members, but yeah. I like the church is, uh, is tasked with um, equipping mm -hmm. each individual member to be capable of sharing the good news. Yeah. Which is not only the church's responsibility, like it's my responsibility and it's my joy to guide into Christ every day throughout the week so that I can be equipped. center right we are we are being equipped um i don't know if it's more of a baptist thing but i kind of like it the little signs on the doors on the inside of the door says you're leaving church this is you're now entering the mission field that's uh, i mean in, in a sense i get it i mean this even in, in church we need to realize we're in the mission field uh, but yeah we get to we get to come together to be to be fed on the word of Christ, to be fed on Christ, and to go and enjoy uh, evangelizing, enjoy preaching the good news of Christ uh, to those around us. Uh, this is, it, it's so, it's, uh, last week as we looked at um, just that kind of progression from Jerusalem and onward all the way to Rome for Paul, the church was so important that, as Damien mentioned, he spent multiple years in, in the, these various locations to establish churches, to, to raise up elders in these churches so that he could, he could leave them prepared to, uh, to equip the saints in those locations. Uh, this is, you know, we, we, you would see him leave location and, and then circle back around. This is why there's letters that we have that he wrote to these churches as he hears about them and kind of took this fatherly care over them um, to, to write instructions to them. The, the local church is extremely important. So then as we come in our last few minutes to just talk about world missions, what, what is different about world missions than what we've already described. Can I say one thing real quick? Yeah. About the local missions thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I was I was thinking of thinking about it. And slow to speak, but um, like regardless of what you like, your eschatological views, eschatological views are how you view the end times and our responsibility, and you know redeeming culture and all those things like mm -hmm. I think the analogy of the church and our mission as believers like there's a lot of um, there are a lot of analogies to be made to like gaining ground and holding ground and so I think if I think of just for me this may not be helpful for anybody else but just for as I've heard it described lately it's like the local church is kind of like an outpost mm -hmm. right and as we sort of wait, have these outposts we have these places where it's safe for believers. It's not safe for believers to hide from the culture or to hide from the lost or to be just in and of themselves and not whatever, but it is a place for them to be equipped, to be trained, to be discipled, to be loved, to be cared for, and to be recharged so that they can go out into those communities and into those spaces and share the gospel. So thinking about the local church in that way, I think, for me, is helpful. It's like, it's the reason. I used to have this opinion of like, the thing I used to say a lot was Nashville needs another church like it needs another hole like I need another <laughs> hole in the head yeah. like there's every, you can't skip down the road without running into a couple of churches mm -hmm. but in my opinion it's changed on that like the more churches the merrier I mean mm -hmm. I, and I hope that their church is preaching actual truth yeah. not just churches for the sake of churches but um, but the local church is a good thing and I think the Lord it's an establishment that the Lord's created so that in these areas, right, like there's a place where believers can be equipped, be encouraged, be trained, be loved and cared for, and then can then take that and go out into their communities, their homes, their workplaces, whatever, um, and uh, show the gospel. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think that's kind of leaving that into the comment about world missions. Like, that's the, the analogy still sort of holds, right? Um, in that, while it may not be my mission to go plant a church in India, let's say, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually very happy and very glad and very thankful that it is somebody's mission. Mm-hmm. Because we need, we need those places. Um, we need the presence of believers in those places in order for the mission to be carried out, right? They need that home base, so to speak. So. Yeah. So, world missions is it's kind of what we've been talking about. I mean, this is, I think we can have we can have excitement as, you know, part of Paul's journey was like there's the time where he's collecting for the church in Jerusalem because of what the church in Jerusalem is going uh, going through at that time. So, like we actually see joy in even giving our financial means to support these churches um what's that sri lanka sri lanka we got to do that recently mm-hmm. we got to to enjoy like we we see that this church over there is hurting it's probably not within most of our power or just what what we are called to do is to get on the plane and go over there and that's probably not even the most helpful thing right now there's pastors on the ground there who are caring for their congregations but they need is food in their mouth so as a church over here in Nashville, and I'm sure many churches have done so, are able to give money so that they can get the food, they can get the oil, the oil, they can get what they need for the necessities of life so that those churches that are already there can have members who are alive and can, and can serve them. Um, notice that when Paul went from place to place, we've talked about him staying there, teaching them. Um, he, he raised up elders. He trained up men to lead the church, to, um, to hold firmly to the faith, to, to be able to preach the whole counsel of God. Um, there, there's an importance in world missions of, of establishing indigenous leadership in a church. This is something I love uh, about like Don Schroeder's. Don, Don Schroeder is not over in um, Bangladesh as a pastor. He is there to establish, to help train and equip and support uh, what he calls the IOW workers, the, the indigenous outreach workers who go through Bangladesh and some, some of these guys have you know, started going even beyond that they're going and they're establishing churches around Bangladesh. They're doing these things where they're raising up leadership in these local villages, local towns. They're they're helping build and establish churches. Yeah. Well, and just when you're talking about building up in the local piece, when I was in grad school, there's an opportunity to go to South Africa, and so I gathered like shoes and clothes and put this big doubles bag bring over because it was like a, a reservation of sorts and uh then i lied whose clothes it was when i went through customs like oh hey, of course it's for me but i brought it there and felt like i was doing a good thing and then there was like a big group picture and i was in the back and my professor was up front with the leader and whatnot I'm like well this is backwards but whatever but what I learned from that is that by doing that, I was undercutting the economics and trade in the local area mm. because people who actually paint stuff couldn't sell it because there's a glut of this free stuff. These guys come in and bring all this free stuff, mm. and like killing their economy. So I thought I was doing something nice, which really I wasn't. So yeah. I felt guilty. I didn't do it the next time I went to go back. But it reminds me too, there's, I'm not gonna say every time it's bad, especially at least in my opinion for bringing resources or supports or skills that aren't found there but there's I can't remember the term it's where it's like people go on missionary trips for a week but it's almost a vacation yeah and then they come back and tell everybody about the great things they did but I wonder about like the local kind of like what's going on with Sri Lanka it's like we know where the money should go and these people know the people so they probably can do it better but when you come in with all these aspects of resources 
who's being helped and then when you leave like what what is that doing mm-hmm. and so it's like well and, and it's just that wonder sometimes about even it's like to fly me to some place that money might be better spent on somebody who actually has the skills in that area to get into those people as opposed to get my body all the way over there mm-hmm. so just when we talk about missions and what we're trying to accomplish I just wonder sometimes if we even know that we're probably creating we're creating more habit than we are yeah. That's where we we have to, con- I think, consider the people on the ground more than we do ourselves. And this is a lot of times where we need to just be like asking the blunt questions of our whatever the, of our missionaries. Like, is what is helpful to you? Uh, and sometimes it is like, I would love a team from your church to come out to help build this wall or whatever. Some of it might be because it's cheap labor to build a wall, but there's also that building a connection between between churches. So there can be benefit of like, okay, yeah, this this church that helps support us out in you know, in Nashville, Tennessee, I, I know some of those people and they know me. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's we we really want to do something, and we find out later is like the missionaries, well. It's kind of more trouble than actually we're than, you know do all this. Uh, so, with the last few minutes that we have, I actually the uh, I, I'll, I will read this. Uh, just this is from Table Talk Magazine. Uh, just what one man wrote as his definition of world missions. And as I read it, you'll you'll hear it doesn't sound any different than what we've talked about. It says mission missions is the plan and act of God for redeeming and making disciples from every tongue tribe, people, and nation by sending his people to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, to show them the gracious, redeeming love of a glorious God, and to organize them into biblical, worshiping churches. That's, you know, that's about what we've been talking about through this class. But I I wanted to end on a discussion about as members of Community Bible Church, and as we do have a, a, a mind, at least this morning in this class, about world missions, about you know, kind of foreign missions. Right now, we just we just support Don and Doug. Um, we hope that that can grow in the future. Um, but as we think about world missions, what what are what are some ways um, that you all, as just members of Community Bible Church, would hope to would like to see our church doing, thinking through, as we've talked about the, the Great Commission, what are some things that you would love to see CBC do uh, in this in this uh, avenue of, of world missions? Get to know them personally and have communication back and forth 
maybe some of them over here and to, you know, to grow, train, and disciple with us. Maybe, you know, so there's that partnership, and I think that that could be valuable on both sides. So it's, it's not not just us. What can what can we do to feel good? Like, it's we're going mm-hmm. to missions. But where is God really calling us to be useful to, to truly go and, and preach and disciple? It is funny how we... It's so, it can so much feel like, oh, as the American church, we're the ones who send missionaries out. You know, we've we've got the corner on this whole thing. The rest of the world, the rest of the world needs to figure this stuff out, and we're going to help. Well, and maybe, maybe as pastors they might have something to teach us. Yeah. I mean, I would love you to hear, like when when Doug came and shared. You know, obviously, okay, he's American, but he's he's working, living there, serving there. But yeah, maybe we maybe we bring in pastors of churches in other countries, and they teach and disciple us, mm-hmm. and we have that exchange. You know, that that could be really neat. So maybe they come and, and do something here, and we have they have a, and we invite people. Maybe there's a way that they can go and preach here. Mm-hmm. We go and preach there. I mean, you're right. We tend to get this very American centric. That's it. Yeah, all to all the victim of that here in America. We're the center of the world and everybody else. A, a pastor who's seen his congregation starve to death could probably teach us some things. Mm-hmm. Pastor like Hunter Guthrie. Mm-hmm. Hunter. Yeah, I remember Hunter. He's up in, you know, uh, Boston. Around, around Boston yeah. area. Kind of partnered with a, another organization that kind of helps support you know, local missionaries. But you know, he, he and his wife went there to a congregation of less than 10 people. And what he's learned, kind of what you're saying, bring him here. Maybe he's got some insight to some things. To yeah. Teach, you know, just to kind of reestablish that connection. Yeah, we know him already. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Bring him here to come and talk to us one day. Just give his family a little vacation. I don't know. Just, yeah. just something to do to kind of reconnect with him and kind of figure out what he's doing with us. Let us know. I, I, I don't know if anybody else has any connection with him. Be nice to establish something like that. Let's yeah. see what happens. Which could be an encouragement in just our, our overall discussions. We talk about people naturally leaving our body here and going and serving in other bodies or establishing other bodies. It's and hearing from someone like Hunter. Like, oh yeah, that is actually happening. People don't just disappear, but they're 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 going on to do something. Well, it takes effort and intention to maintain connection. Yeah. Which I mean, Erica, I, I think terrible job, but Erica's done a really good job with a few of her friends that she's known since elementary school. And but I think that's a piece of it. It's like somebody does things. Like, do we do we keep up with them? Mm-hmm. We care enough. We care enough. Well, we'll wrap up there. Um, Just a couple questions that I, I will just let you think on is maybe just one question, but maybe just think as we. This is, our, like, this is our last class as you go from here. Think through just what, what distractions are, uh, what distractions tend to keep us away from our mission? What, what in our life, whether, and kind of the things I jotted down are the divisions that the world makes around us, politics and things like that. Um, how much do we allow those to become distractions for us in our mission as we um, does it you know how does it affect my compassion for everyone around me that was kind of one, one of the things I landed on anyway, just just some food for thought what what distracts you from from fulfilling the great commission in, in your corner of the world but I hope it was an encouragement to you. This this short kind of the this short five week series. Uh, 
I think it's we, we could actually go for it longer and uh, but hopefully hopefully I encourage you and if there's anything to take away I, I would say takeaway I have had is that confidence the, the words the the um, prelim to the to the Great Commission that has stuck out to me all authority under heaven and earth has been given to me go therefore that the confidence that I that we ought to have realizing okay it's not it's not our power that we are going out with but it's it is the power and authority of our Savior who has commissioned us to go. They're, they're, I think that, that can fuel some boldness in us. Let me pray and we can get, uh, get kiddos and get down to the service. Father, we thank you for uh, your love for us. I pray that you would help us uh, more and more uh, to be shaped by your love and see that flowing out in our lives and love for our neighbors. Help us uh, as we uh, seek to obey uh, your command to us uh, to go, therefore, uh, that you would help us, Father, to have a compassion for those around us, uh, beginning at home with our children, our spouses, going to the workplaces, and just wherever we may, we may go, Father. Help us just have a compassion uh, for the loss, a, com a compassion for people, a compassion just for people within this church. Help us to have more of those, to, to not be afraid to have more of those uh, gospel conversations with people. Uh, not to be afraid to get to know people, to um, be able to, to um, just have that personal uh, relationship with them where we can speak into their lives the good news of Jesus Christ to to lovingly proclaim him to them. Help us to have boldness, knowing that it's not up to us uh, to save anyone. We are simply called uh, to, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, to see your church as uh, your instrument for um, the Great Commission. Uh, help us to see the beauty of the local church, to see the beauty of the worldwide church, uh, and just find encouragement and strength in that as well. Pray for Ryan this morning uh, as he uh, opens uh, Revelation up to us again. Strengthen him, uh, strengthen uh, us as we sit and hear these words. I pray that you would bring uh, conviction where conviction is necessary, that you would bring repentance, that uh, you would help us as your people um, to just remember that we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but you have made us alive in Christ. Uh, we are not at a place where we have arrived, but we get to uh, in, we get to enjoy uh, coming before our loving Father, confessing our sins, uh, continually repenting of them, turning to you, realizing that our our only hope in life and in death is in our faithful Savior Jesus Christ. That never changes at any point in our life. Uh, strengthen us, Father, uh, for the rest of this morning, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.